0: Welcome to the Cuzo to Cuzzo Show, coming straight from the Windy City, with new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday, touching on topics within the social and culture community of Chicago. Follow and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast on. Thank you. Remember to tune in Tuesday and Thursday. Here's your host, LaVon, aka Cuzo Vaughn. Thank you for tuning in today. I have a special guest with me, two times kidney transplant survivor to advocate.
1: Hey, how you doing, Cuzzo? Nice to be here. Uh, My name is Daryl Millsap. I'm with the um, DK Love Life and Live Millsap podcast. I'm here to tell you my story about being a patient on dialysis and being a kidney transplant recipient. First of all, I want to thank you for having me on your show. Uh, I hope your listening audiences learn some things that I'm about to say so that we can uh, tell people some positive things about uh, renal disease, kidney kidney failure, and some things that uh, perhaps can prevent that, some things you can notice for. So I guess I'll start off by saying uh, what happened to me. Uh, How did I get to the point where I was a kidney dialysis patient and to the point where when I received a kidney transplant and what are the things I'm doing now after i received one? Uh, I'll start my story off by saying, first of all, as a young man, I never had any uh, chronic illnesses or any uh, ailments. I was an athlete and uh, through high school and college and uh, I just lived a normal life. However, uh, I believe probably in my... Mid 20s, I was uh, applying for a job. In the job, I had to go through about three or four interviews, and I also had to see uh, the possible employer's doctor to do a physical. Of course, they test for drugs, and they just want to know if you physically fit uh, to do this job. And the job wasn't; it was sales. Ironically, it wasn't even job that required you to pick up heavy boxes or anything but nonetheless their doctor told me that uh i had such high blood pressure for a young man Now, i remember telling her i was just a little excited about possibly getting this job with this company and you know she said uh okay but now keep in mind she wasn't my doctor she was their doctor and she was just doing uh making sure that i was you know physically fit to work for that company and the next thing she mentioned to me was that uh I had a lot of protein in my urine. Now, I might have been a college graduate, but I'm I'm not a chemistry major or a biology major. When I think of protein, I think about guys at the gym to build their muscles up, and protein was a was a good thing. Uh, I had just had my son, so I figured, well, hey, you know, I got a lot of protein in my urine. Maybe I'm real viral. I didn't know. And she didn't really expand on that. She didn't tell me to go see anyone. She just said that uh, you have a lot of protein in your urine. And I said, well, okay. She said, okay. So my ignorance, uh, I could have avoided maybe some situations in the future. If I had enough common sense to know then, hey, I need to go see a doctor because there's a lot of protein in my urine. So nevertheless, I got the job. And about, uh, oh, I'd say... Eight, eight, nine years later, uh, I had worked for that company for six years and got another job and, you know, went through the corporate thing, changing jobs and titles and position. I remember I was in uh, Quincy, Illinois, and I was on a golf outing with some clients. I was down there on business. And I felt really, really bad. Uh, They suggested I go home, which I did, which was a hotel down there. And I remember being in a hotel, turning the air conditioner up super high. I was sweating and I was feeling horrible. So I called a friend of mine who was a pharmaceutical sales rep and I asked him, where was there a good doctor in south side of Chicago or the suburbs I could go to based on the referral? He gave me the name of this doctor. This doctor was super busy, uh, very good doctor. So the soonest I could set an appointment with him was three weeks away. So three weeks later, I go to see the doctor and he's not there. Now, I'm a little disturbed back in those days that I had to wait to see a doctor for three weeks and he's not there. He had his physician's assistant there, which the gentleman just as qualified as him, but that wasn't the point. The point is I wanted to see the main doctor. Uh, so I had a few words, which later I went to the doctor and apologized. But in the interim, he, uh, he said, hey, well, where are you about to go? And I said, I'm not gonna go anywhere. He says, I need you to go to the hospital and take a test because I don't have the equipment at this facility to take it, and I need you to go now. So I don't need you to go home or to the store or to the gas station if you can go over there now. And he was very, very professional about it. And I said, okay. So I go to the doctor over there, and they put me on all these EKGs and tests, and they actually admitted me to the hospital. And they had to transfer me to another hospital because of my insurance. So I'm sitting in this other hospital, and they start giving me uh, this water peel, but they gave it to me not as a peel as the IV. So... I'm in a hospital for a day or two and the nurses and the doctor comes in and, you know, check me out, actually lost 38 pounds in about two days, Wow, which was water weight. Okay. So I'm sitting in the hospital room and I've got my parents, I've got my uncle and my aunt, they're all standing, you know, coming to see me, waiting to hear hear about the doctor and the doctor comes in, the actual nephrologist. I didn't know what a nephrologist was from a primary care doctor to uh, a pediatrician or anything. So a nephrologist is a kidney doctor. So he comes in the room and he says, well, is it okay to talk in front? He didn't know who these people were. And I said, yeah, you can. But you can tell me, you can tell them. So he tells me a situation uh, that I have a renal failure and uh, I'm going to perhaps need kidney dialysis and a few other things. <laughs> So the look on my parents' face and my uncle and aunt's face was just amazing. I'll never, ever forget that. Like in a state of shock. So I didn't know anything about kidney dials or anything. I to I take some medication or I didn't know. So I, I had a different approach to it. So from that point uh, forward, people were joking, like, where's the other half of you? I remember my aunt asking me, where's the other half of you? I only see half of you there because I lost so much weight which was water weight because my kidneys weren't functioning correct. So from that moment, I
0: uh,
1: I got to know my nephrologist and I didn't have to go on kidney dialysis at that particular point in time. Uh, I just had to go see him and he would take blood work to test my creatinine. And creatine is the way they determine your kidney function. Uh, the numbers that tell you that you need to start dialysis or you're still okay. So you can be diagnosed with uh, renal Failure and not actually go on dialysis until it's time for you to go, based on your creatinine level. So therefore, uh, I would I would see him for the next few months. And one particular day, I I felt great. I mean, I felt like I was in high school. I had lost thirty eight pounds, and I could fit clothes I couldn't fit, and I was just zooming around. And so one so one day, I had a doctor's appointment with him in the afternoon. And I had uh lamented earlier that morning, just out of no reason. I hadn't eaten anything I had nothing just as vomiting. So I was like, wow, damn, I gotta go see the doctor today. And uh, I don't know if I wanna tell him, because you know, most people are scared about needles and chronic illness and everything, about what happened to me this morning. So when I went in there, he said, How you feeling? I said, I'm feeling okay. I told him I was feeling okay, and I was feeling okay. I just had that one little incident out of nowhere. So then he determined, he said, I think it's about time that uh, we get you started on dialysis. So, Or it's gonna be coming soon. So I set up a, and I, I said, well, how did you know? Well, you can smell the toxins in your body. You might not be able to, but other people can when it's, it's an indicator of you need to start dialysis pretty soon. So I had to make an appointment to see a vascular surgeon to create a port. When you're on kidney dialysis, you have to create a port to stick one needle in and one needle out. So let me explain what kidney dialysis is. They take your blood out of your body and they put it through a dialyzer. It comes back into your body. This process takes three and a half to four and a half hours, depending on your age and your weight. So once you start kidney dialysis, it's not a matter of I don't feel good. You have to go three times a week. So you have a surgery before kidney dialysis to create a, a port so they can go through that process. It takes about 30 weeks to heal. And then at that point, you start your dialysis treatments. Now, in the event that you need to start it sooner, they'll put a uh, catheter in your chest and you can start it immediately. There's no needles and a temporary thing they put in your chest. They connect your veins in your chest so that you can go through. The, the blood can come out of your body and come back in. So my very first day of dialysis, I'm a little nervous. Uh, there's a dialysis nurse there that says, I, I do all the first so-called sticks of new patients. And I'm walking into a dialysis unit and there's tubes and patients and all different types of people needles and all different just if you're not used to that, that could be overwhelming in itself. So I'm sitting down in a chair and I've been afraid of needles my whole life. I'm i not one to get any needle stick in me, even a flu shot. So she bust my she, she the surgery I had in there was called a fitsula. They put in your arm. So they either put a fitsula or a graft in your arm. A uh, Fitzula they prefer because they tie your veins together. Well, she blew the vein. So now I cannot have dialysis treatment at that particular point in time because the vein is blown and you have to go to a radiologist to go through a procedure to clean that, to clear that blood clot in your vein. I don't know if blood clot's the right word, but it's it's. Uh, I'm, I'm like a hall of famer in the radiologist department, take the truth, because I've had that done two or three times that happened to me. So they put a uh, chest catheter in me. I had to go to the hospital and put a chest catheter. And the next day, I was able to come back to the dialysis center and start my dialysis treatment. So I uh, started dialysis treatment. I was on dialysis for a few years. I could tell you a lot of things about dialysis as far as uh, how you how you feel afterward. What dialysis does, is it cleans all the toxins out of your body. And actually you lose weight on that. I always tell people, if you ever want to lose weight, go sit in a dialysis chair because it takes the water out of your blood. So before you go on dialysis, you have to weigh yourself in. And then when you're done with the treatment, you have to weigh yourself. They want you to get your dry weight. Uh, Dry weight is what's a good weight for you at that time. So I asked them, one day I asked the dialysis tech, I said, well, how do you know when you get your dry weight? They kind of smirked and had a little funny laugh. So they said, oh no. Uh, I said, okay. So one day I hit my dry weight. How did I know? My toes, my fingers. I had so many things cramping. Uh, now you know you hit your dry weight. You can't, you have to adjust your weight according to that. So uh, I was on dialysis for a couple of years and uh, with the courage of my sister, she donated a kidney to me. So I had a kidney transplant. I want to give her much credit because she was courageous enough to step up Give me an opportunity of life again.
0: That's good.
1: Yeah, that, that was wonderful. So in that process, I got a kidney. And uh, unfortunately, during that process, my bladder was cut a little bit. So that kidney only lasted for about five years because it, uh, it flooded out my kidney. So then I had to go back on dialysis. So you talk about a nightmare on Elm Street. I live part one, part two. I don't want to see part three or four ever. But mm-hmm. uh, went back on dialysis, and then I received a kidney transplant about four years ago. So I was on dialysis for seven years, and uh, I'm a living testimony. Of, if you do the right things, uh, God will bless you with an opportunity to live. So I'm a p- kidney, kidney advocate right now. I have my own podcast, DK Love Life and Live sad is the name of my podcast and what I do is I inform people about the process of kidney dialysis, some things you need to look for. I have dialysis techs, dialysis nurses on my show. I have people in the healthcare industry. Uh, We talk about dialysis, nutritional, the medications you have to take. We talk about personal questions you may have. Uh, we talk about the right transportation issues. Uh, we talk about when do you qualify for disability. About a lot of kidney patients don't know when is the actual time that you qualify for it. So, I mean, you can be diagnosed with kidney failure, but your benefits don't start until you actually go on a dialysis machine. Uh, we talk about how this chronic disease affects your whole life. It affects your finances, it affects your mental health, it affects your relationships with your significant other and your children, and it affects your family because if you have a good family, they will be part of your uh, of your process. You know, they'll see you on a daily basis, and some days you may be tired, or some, some days you may not may, may not be, depending on the weather, or depending if you have any other uh, medical
0: issues. I heard like a lot of listeners would think like you have to be a certain age or, you know, a senior citizen or up there in age in order for this medical um, problem to happen to you?
1: No, 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 not at all. Uh, I've seen people from their early 20s to their 80s in dialysis unit. Uh, It is my mission to inform people that this is a chronic disease. This is not an age problem. This is a problem, uh, in my opinion, based on your lifestyle to an extent, and your lifestyle meaning your eating habits. So I don't want people to think that you have to be a drug addict or alcoholic or anything like that to have kidney problems. That's not the case at all. Uh, If you're an alcoholic, you have liver problems. You don't have necessarily kidney problems. But if you look around you and look at all the kidney dialysis Centers coming up, it's quite a few. They're popping up like uh, chain restaurants in in your neighborhood. Now, they're not going to pop up just in case. They're popping up because they have significant numbers and know that more and more people are getting, are are being diagnosed with this problem and have to go on kidney dialysis. And they're actually trying to tell you to do home dialysis. A lot of people want to do home dialysis because they want to be discreet about their medical conditions. the people I've known who've gone on home dialysis, they've gotten really, really sick. This is my personal opinion. Uh, your, your home has to be sterile, very, very sterile to go do home dialysis. Sterile like a hospital room. So if you don't have that at home, it would probably behoove you to go to a dialysis center where that room is sterile and you have dialysis techs and and uh, nurses to assist you. Because it's a different it's a different process as well from the dialysis Centers to doing home dialysis. It's a different method they use to clean your blood. It's a sincere problem. Uh, if you look at the African American community, a lot of us are overweight. A lot of us don't have good eating habits. You, know, you can't feed, and it starts from your kids, you can't feed your kids flaming hot Cheetos and flaming hot onion rings and drink a Crush Pop or a Strawberry or Grape Crush and then give them a hot dog in, in, the, in the evening for dinner and think that their mind and their body's not gonna be affected by eating any vegetables or eating some home-cooked meals instead of fast food all the time, you're more than likely gonna have some health issues in the near future than you realize. Now, as a youth, as a young person, you're miserable. You know, you don't, you know, you're just on the move and going. But like everybody, you will age as as everybody else will. And you have to feed your body uh, the right things. Just like any other thing. If you have a car, you never change the oil What's going to happen. Car gone. Yeah. You know, if, 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 if you never change the tires on, it's gone. But you have to maintain your body as you would anything else. So you look at certain cities across America and they have food deserts. Or if you live in an area where you go to the neighborhood store, and you look up and all you see is potato chips and cookies and pop, candy, and processed meats, like bologna, that stuff is not good for you at all. So it's not a, you know, it's not a matter of convenience, it's a matter of what you put in your body is what you get out of it. So I, I, think, I think our eating habits, something we eat as a whole is causing a lot of people to have renal failure, kidney failure. So you need to drink water and watch what you eat and try to do some sort of exercise. And they'll they'll tell you that when you're in a dialysis center because you'll have a nutritionist, you'll have a pharmacist that come by and tell you what kind of medications you need to take. And you have a nephrologist that determines your dry weight and how you're feeling. And if you're low on iron or other essential things in your body, they'll give it to you in dialysis. But it is definitely a, a social problem. And I think it's an epidemic because you're finding people of all ages that uh, have this and uh, they need some help. I, uh, I, as a former dialysis patient, have uh, seen death. Uh, some, a lot of people on dialysis have other issues, diabetes and maybe some other issues, but I've, I've seen death in a horrible way because some people just don't care. You know, they're, they're in dialysis, you need eating, drinking pop and eating chips and you ain't supposed to be doing that Because clean you ain't supposed to be eating that stuff anyway. I remember a young lady that was in dialysis and she would never come. If you don't come with your blood clean, you're gonna blow up like a balloon. You know, your legs and everything else, your face. And she, and she was a young lady. And I think that she didn't understand you, you your life would change because you have to go to dialysis three times a week. You can't sit on the phone and talk to your girlfriends or go to the club and do things a person without that condition would do. And unfortunately, she passed away because she didn't have her mind set for the lifestyle. You can't go to dialysis once a week. If you ever start dialysis and they tell you to go three times a week, you have to go three times a week. So if you've never been committed to anything, you're going to be committed to this because the results are going to be final if you don't do what they ask you to do. So whatever vices you have, you got to start and do what the doctors say and then try to get on the transplant list. And hopefully one day you'll get a transplant. Now, I do want to say this. I'm a big advocate of uh, there's two types of donors when it comes to a transplant. There's a living donor and then there's a deceased donor. So if you have a driver's license and you want to give your organs up, if if something would happen to you, you, you probably will save a life because they'll take not just your kidneys, but any other organs that they can save and give to someone who needs them. Now, what people don't understand is a living donor is much easier. Every person has two kidneys, but you only use one. So if someone is needs a kidney that's a loved one, there's no better gift than to give them a the gift of life. So it's not a procedure where you're gonna be messed up, you know, you're out of the hospital after a day. With the new technology they have, kidney transplants are almost like getting stitches. You know, you, they, they make sure you're okay, especially the donor. Uh, the, the recipient might have to stay three days just to make sure that that kidney is functioning in their body because you got a new kidney in there. But it's not a it's not a painful process in, that, in terms of that. And a lot of other people will give a kidney in a heartbeat, but it seems like we as African Americans, we always have, we just tell you, well, I hope you feel okay. Yo, good, good luck to you until they find their butt in that dialysis seat. Now everything changes. Well, you know, so we need to educate ourselves on that. man. We need to educate ourselves on a lot of things, how we eat, uh, what we hold valuable. And family is a huge part when you're going through that. You need to be. As stress free as possible. Uh, you you can't be in no turmoil on, on any kind of chronic illness and come home to disarray. You got to get out of that situation however you can. You know if it's your home, kick them out. You can't you can't be in a stressful situation. You're going through enough stress uh, trying to stay on this planet. So a lot of things that you need to know about uh, the kidney thing. And then you then if you're, I would always recommend people get on the kidney transplant list, uh, that takes, depending on what state, that can take up to seven years before you qualify, you know, before you're eligible. And some other states like Wisconsin and Indiana, they don't have as many people that need kidneys in that state. So your probability of getting the kidney a few years earlier is great. I do recommend that. And then there's post-transplant. After you get a transplant, the fight's never over. You have to take medications for the rest of your life. And you still have to eat the right foods and, and, and exercise uh, to live a better life. So you can live a good life before you have a kidney transplant and while you're on the dialysis thing. You just have to have a strong mind and start doing things you didn't do before that would make things better for you. One is relieving, you Don't you know, how that stress on you all the time. doing positive things and being around positive people if you have a weak mind in this this process it'd be very difficult for you
0: i have like two questions it's like a two-part question like what was the type of nutrition diet that they recommend for you when you're going through it also Mm -hmm. is the diet the same as um, opposed to once you get the transplant and it's it's post post living with your new kidney is it the same no nutrition diet or it changes it up slightly
1: well uh, there's a lot of things you know about nutrition like for instance uh, I had a nutritionist she was fabulous um, She would take a cardboard box and put a can of Coke a can of Gatorade on there tape it to the box and underneath it she'd have a little plastic bag to tell you how much sugar is in it coffee or you know, a few other things. Uh, What we think is good for you is not. you got to stay away from sugary drinks. I'll be the first person to tell you drinking pop, soda, wherever you call it, wherever part of the country you're in, quit drinking that, man. That'll kill you. That has corn syrup in it. It might be refreshing for that moment when you're eating something. But I tell you, take a test. Drink a can of pop, whether it's a cola or a... Strawberry or grape. And then right after you drink it, drink half a can. Drink a glass of water. You can feel the difference how that pop went down your throat as how clean and crisp that water did. You keep drinking pop, you're going to have some problems. I think that was one of my problems, to be quite honest with you. I remember one time I was playing football and I was thirsty and I sucked down two cans of pop. And my boy was like, "Damn, you drink, you drink pop like that." I was like, "Yeah, it gave me a little energy, you know." I was, I could suck down a, a liter of pop by myself.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: But you know, you get a get one of them uh, Italian beef sandwiches with them cheese fries, man, and a big 7-Eleven gulp of pop, you you good for the day, you know? And it's vitamin C. No, brother, you, you, that's not good for you. Drinking a lot of juice is just as bad as drinking a lot of pop. If you ever go to a fine restaurant. And you have breakfast and you get a little cup of coffee they give you a very small little thing of juice you ever notice that
0: it's yeah small, it's really, very
1: small thing of yeah juice. and then then you get your you know oatmeal or eggs or whatever you're eating now why that's because they know you ain't supposed to drink no kool-aid glass full of juice man you, you drink a little bit moderation of that and you really shouldn't drink orange juice every day this is, is my opinion you know does orange juice have some benefits with vitamin c yeah but they don't drink a lot of it. It's a small glass they drink of it, and that's it. And that's what we don't understand. We we think we think more is good, and more is not always good at all. So the, the, the nutritional diet is you, you you want to stay away from fried foods. Uh you you know, man, I had a list. I can't think of it. Um, I, I would say this: a Mediterranean diet is what they recommend. So when you look at these television shows and doctors tell you what to eat and don't eat, everyone will tell you, you know, this is good for you and someone else will tell you it won't. But limit the amount you eat and try to eat a lot of vegetables, you know. And if you eat meat, try to eat eat more fish, I would probably tell you, rather than red meat because red meat takes longer to digest in your body than any other thing. Um, So. That I mean, I saw a thing this morning, and there was a doctor talking about a He's a heart surgeon, and he's got all kind of claims. And you know, he's a renowned heart surgeon. He's he said today, don't eat tomatoes.
0: You know, so, what was the reason?
1: <laughs> he, he, he gave, and he he demonstrated why you shouldn't eat it because of what it does to your to your. Uh, his whole theory was the reason people can't lose weight because he used to be a little heavy and he used to work out and run is because of your gut. I'm, I'm a believer in that too. Your intestines, your gut is the key to everything. If you clean your gut out, it's a gut holds toxins, which I believe. So he was saying this, this is a certain little thing that puts little holes in your gut and it allows toxins to come in, which doesn't allow you to lose weight. And one of those things that stimulates that is tomatoes, maybe because of the acid, that tomatoes have when you cut it so I mean everyone's going to have different opinions but uh, eating uh, eating vegetables like if you like greens I love greens that's good for yeah. you. it's a vegetable so you don't have to go through. you don't have to come from some traditional stuff but you have to watch what you eat depending on if you're diabetic or if you're not diabetic or if you have some other health issues you know um, fruit Uh, Dried fruit is not good for you, generally speaking. Uh, But some fruits might be good for you if you have certain things, some things aren't, depending on your level. Potassium is in bananas. Uh, There's certain fruits that are healthier for you, pineapple, or they tell you don't, it just depends on your condition. But overall, if you just eat fruits and vegetables, if I had to say one general statement, eat more fruits and vegetables and try to enjoy them. And that'll be healthier for you. You'll, You'll at least be on the right track. And you can talk to a nutritionist. She'll tell you based on your makeup, what is good for you. Because in my situation, there might be a certain food that helps me out. But in someone else's situation, they may be, they, they may be low in other functions of their body. This food would help them out. But I tell you what won't help you out is processed meat. Uh, things like bologna. If you go to the deli and get all that sliced stuff, you want to get cooked meat. So if you get you know, chicken, you want it cooked. You don't want it processed. So a lot of these, a lot of these uh, fast food places have processed meat. You know, now I I think Chick Fil A doesn't have processed. I think their chicken is processed. Oh. You know, I saw a commercial. It looks like it's oh, damn. That look good. You know, maybe that's <laughs> why they're so maybe maybe that's why they're so popular, because you know if you buy a chicken nugget at a Burger King or McDonald's it looks a certain way, but if you buy a chicken nugget out of chick Fil A, it looks like
0: you cooked a piece of chicken. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Not the spongy look. Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's the quality of the food. You know what I mean? It's
0: like if you get
1: a hamburger, do you want a hundred percent pure beef or do you want it? 20%, you know, there's there's a, there's a difference. So you you stay away from processed food was basically tells you stay away from fast food. And then, uh, Uh, If you do go out to a restaurant, make sure it's cooked, you know. So I remember I had a nutritionist tell me uh, Perkins is a restaurant chain, but they serve dinners, green beans, you know, yams and stuff like that. He said, so when you're out on the road in business, don't go to Burger King, McDonald's or Wendy's or nothing like that. He said, try to get your Perkins where you can get a meal, you know, two or three different things to eat. So that was my, my doctor and nutritionist told me that one time. So, oh. yeah. And then the other question was like post transplant?
0: Yes. Like, is your diet, your nutrition diet still the same?
1: Pretty, pretty much. Uh, sometimes you have to adjust your medication in terms of your uh, anti rejection medication. So, you know, you, you have to continually to see the doctor because as you age and, and your body changes, you have to adjust the medications. So uh, vegetables, pre-transplanted actually can't help you. You know, and uh, it can't hurt you, rather, <laughs> I should say. Okay. So uh, quit, you know. Uh, I- I'll tell you one thing. You just stop eating flaming hot Cheetos and flaming hot onions. That'll be a good thing.
0: Uh, just yeah. to kind of stop eating. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be hard because, like, when I was in grammar school, that's all we used to eat. Right. But... Now, you
1: know, if you want to cheat every now and then a little bit, but do it in moderation, man. Don't don't make it a daily uh a daily routine. Is that, that's as far as what your meal is. You know, chips. Any kind of chips can't be your meal on a daily basis because it's not healthy for you.
0: Are there any other health issues that would lead to you know getting a kidney transplant, or is just that you eating? I know you mentioned obese. If you get overweight. Diabetes leads to uh,
1: kidney failure. High blood pressure leads to kidney failure. There's hypertension will lead to kidney failure. So we as black men, we tend to be hypertension a lot. We tend to get angry real quick because of our situations. We might not be, we might be unemployed. We may be arguing with our significant other. We may not have no money. We may need to go see a doctor, but we don't wanna go see a doctor because they don't tell us nothing. We, not, we may not be educated and we're eating the wrong foods, drinking, I mean, our lifestyle needs to change. You see what I'm saying? So yeah. uh, a lot of things could lead to uh, that, but you have to change your lifestyle, man. You can't, you can't sit up and be angry at everybody all the time. That's gonna lead to hypertension and stress. And whether it's justified you being angry you got to get away from that. So you got a significant other. And she makes you angry on a daily basis over some irrelevant stuff. Or relevant stuff. You better reconsider your relationship because it's going to depend on your health. If you ain't healthy to be contributing, to nothing, you can't contribute to your kids or her or anyone else. Okay? If you can't get a job, you got to ask yourself, why can't I get a job? Maybe I don't look the right way. You have to adapt, man. You have to live. Uh, everybody has their own, want to be their own person, but at some point you got to be humble, got to be able to save some money and work. And then then once you get a job, save and try to do your own thing, but have a plan. Just don't be out here planless, uh, have a goal and be around positive people. You know, a lot of us, man, we always thought, well, that's my boy. I've been known him since the third grade or fourth grade. Who cares? Because he was your friend in the third or fourth grade, now doesn't necessarily mean he has to be your friend when you're 30 years old. Because he may have totally different views of life than you do. You might be a family man. You want to take care of your kids. Want to buy a house in the suburbs. Want to have your own business. Want to do something positive. Want to help people get back to community. He may want to kick it,
0: hang out,
1: you know, walk around with his pants off his ass, and oh, what's up? Talk about that. What's up on the block? And Don't even realize there's a zillion blocks in the world. What's up on your block means nothing to someone who what's up on somebody else's block. The mental state of this person. So we have to realize friends come and go. Uh, if you got one for a lifetime, you're lucky. You know, who your friend is then was who you were then. You and me are not the same people we were 10 years ago for a variety of reasons. Life, death. You know, you're in grammar school, you're in junior high, you're in high school, you're in college, you're a young adult, you're a middle-aged adult, you're a little, middle-aged you're an older adult, you're an old adult, and everybody has different experiences and you have uh, a different friend. Like I, I would tell you, man, if, if you're a man out here and you're married and you got kids, don't step away from your friends who you've known who you are friends with, but when you're looking to do things with, you better find people who are married. With kids, because y'all gonna have a lot in common and things will be better. You 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 feel what I'm saying? It's it's yeah. Otherwise, shit gonna. It, it, I don't want to use work curse word, but things gonna be different because you ain't hanging around people of similar interests as you at that particular moment in time. Yeah. Yeah. Old saying birds of a feather flock together.
0: Oh yeah. To <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Stay in your lane. Yeah. That's that's the, the main thing. Like a lot of you know the youngins. That's you know I'm in my 30s, so you know it's like you in your mid 20s and early 20s. That's the go-to thing now. You know everyone want to be known, want to be you know the person that everyone know in the neighborhood or the next block or the neighborhood on the other side of town. And sometimes it's not good to be known like that. You know, but yeah, that's the lifestyle they choose. And then that lifestyle also comes with, you know, consequences. They, you know, yeah. they wind up in jail or no longer here.
1: We're, 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 we're so far above that, man. Um,
0: we shouldn't even have to discuss about
1: jail or you ain't here. I mean, we're, we're a fantastic people. We just have to, to stop being uh, greedy and selfish of each other. I'm happy for you. I'm happy that you have a podcast. I'm happy that you invited me to talk on it. I wish you all the best prosperity. I'm not envious of you. I don't want to be you. I want to help you and I and I want to be able to tell you things I know that could help you. That is what we were founded on in slavery times. That's how we got here. It's not about what you got and what I don't got. It's about sharing, man, caring. And society has tried to tear that apart as far as the black male is concerned. So share my experiences. If I tell people what I had to go through in experiences I had, they might, few of them might listen. And might say, well, I don't wanna go through that. What do I have to do to avoid that? That's something I need to put on my radar because that just ain't no lucky charm stuff that happens to one every hundred people. That's happening to four or five people out of the black American community now. So it's an alarming rate going up. Probability you having some kidney problems are much more likely now than they were a hundred years ago, based on the foods we eat and the stress levels we have. So you're a you're a great social media outlet. You know, people who listen to your podcast, I hope they get something from this. I don't care what age they are. Because if they don't have it, they may have a brother or a sister-in-law with that, or a mom and dad or an uncle, and they may know some things to tell them to help them.
0: So, Yeah, and then also, like, your podcast, like, your platform that, you know, you give information because you live through it not once but twice, so they to, you know, tune in on your podcast as well to get information and the knowledge of the do's, the don'ts, you know, of the lifestyle that they to choose to avoid it, like how you said, but also like how you said, like you have like professionals that work in the field day in, day out, come on to the show to, you know, educate them as well.
1: Yeah. Give, to give you their opinion. So it ain't, my show is not just about me. It's about getting people in here who are in that profession to tell you what their experiences are and what you need to do and what you, I've had, I got, I've had a person, uh, on my show, who's had a kidney transplant? What, what, you know, what trials and tribulations did you go through? How did you get to that point? And what are you doing now? I've got a, a friend of mine who was on there. Uh, he had a kidney transplant that lasted 37 years. Now he needs another kidney transplant. But the topic of his discussion was systemic racism. You know, uh, a friend of his had a kidney transplant in Atlanta, but she had an African American transplant coordinator her experience was a lot different than what he's going through now he needs kidney right now because the, you know the people he's dealing with uh, don't quite understand him culturally you know or sometimes if you don't if you don't know anything you just listen to him and say okay but see he's had a transplant he he knows stuff you can't just tell him anything to brush him off and some unfortunately some professionals would do that Said, I've got even transplant surgeons scheduled to be on the show. So, the whole aurora of people from nutritionists, pharmacists, patients, kidney dialysis patients, kidney dialysis, kidney transplant people who've had transplants, um, people in the advocacy, uh, the whole, the whole gamut. I try to get everybody, even people who did trans, who, who the transportation for kidney patients. What are some of their concerns, you know? Uh, something that's disturbing to me, if you've got a person and you live in a house or a two-flat in a city and your mama needs to go three blocks to dialysis and she got to call a, a transportation company and all y'all grown folks sitting up there with four or five cars in your driveway and nobody can take her to dialysis. That's pathetic. That yeah. is, that, yeah. that, 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 that 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 to me, if I was her, I'd kick everybody out that house. So, but that goes back to to family. That's uncalled for. I mean, that's just my personal thing. You know, you you laying up and she needs a ride and she got to call a transportation company to pick her up and take her to dialysis. Now, if you got to work, but you, you, I have a cousin of mine who used to do that. He said, man, he couldn't believe you walking in there and get a patient helper and he even was supposed to help her. She's supposed to get to the car. And it's five grown folks in there. What us? I said? He to take their mama three blocks to go to the dialysis. See, culturally, man, we have to we have to figure out what's important to us, and everything that's been important to us is family. So let's let let's not let that slip. We need each other more than ever now. So if you don't have a family, get one.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's might be your support system, like how you had with you know your mom. Your dad, your auntie, your uncle, even your sister, for you know, giving up one of her kidneys, you know.
1: And but- my brother gave me support too. He doesn't give me. He he he. got tested.
0: Oh, uh, okay. Yeah.
1: So, I'm. I think I'm special, man. But I ain't no special anybody else. It's the little little things you do make a difference. So, uh, we have we we got so much to do, and I think I'm just an advocate for kidney disease because I really believe that's epidemic. And I really believe that I need to tell people about what to expect if they get diagnosed with that and what they can do to avoid that problem altogether. I would like to also give a special shout out to the University of Illinois at Chicago. Their transplant team is phenomenal. Their transplant department is phenomenal. And they actually have a dialysis center uh, at the hospital that is phenomenal. Uh, their staff are so professional. And just the whole experience is great. And something that they do that a lot of transplant hospitals won't do is they take obese people and give them transplants. A lot of times you can't get a transplant unless you weigh a certain amount but they don't put that, that ban on you there. They'll give you an opportunity to get a transplant if, if even though you might be a little overweight, what would be the ideal weight? So okay. that gives people a lot of hope. So if you're listening out here and you're choosing a hospital to have a transplant, whether it's a living donor or get on their transplant list, think about the University of Illinois Chicago fabulous place and just like all the other transplant areas in Chicago I think it's Rush uh, University of Chicago and Northwestern they're terrific as well Uh, those doctors are terrific also I'm sure but I got my transplant through the University of Illinois Chicago and uh, I can't never stop talking about them so that's just my little special shout out
0: (laughs) oh yeah ain't no wrong with that and like I say, I I thank you for coming on, sharing your experience, you know. Okay. Um, I love individuals that's that's in, you know, your your generation, my generation, the ones that's not in our generation need to hear it because I mean it happened to anyone, like you said, it's no age or as, as nationality, culture or anything. It happened to anyone. And like you said, like they putting up, you know, the kidney transplant facilities all over the city. And no one's taking heed to it or even thinking about it because it's like, oh, you know, like how you said, pertaining to me. So I'm blowed by it or just not even knowing or educated enough to know, you know, the ins and outs, the pros and cons of their lifestyle. So, right,
1: right. So spread the word, man. Thanks again. Cause though, I sincerely appreciate you tuning into my show uh, when they're not tuning into yours. Oh, yeah. and, uh, if they have someone on kidney dialysis, uh, go talk to them. Ask them how they feel. Uh, ask them what they could do. Um, if they watch my show, uh, they can call into me and I could tell them because we do live calls as well. And give them some info on how they can help a kidney dialysis patient. Um, a lot of times people need help, man, but out of pride, they don't want to ask for it. Yeah. Uh, if you love them you you listen and you try to help them and help and, and most importantly help them have a positive attitude because uh this isn't a weekly thing you might be on dialysis for a few years and even though it affects the dialysis patient it also affects family members like the, their husband their kids you know how do you if you're on that if you're on kidney dialysis and you got younger kids how do they feel about that Uh, How does your wife or your husband feel about that? How does your mom, you know, your mom and dad might be a little stressed out about that. And then, you know, you ain't going to be working like you did. Can you still work? You know, with with the way everything is now, with Zoom, you you might be able to work a little more than you normally do. You might not be out of your element as much. So, uh,
0: thanks again. Yeah, thank you. And what are those platforms? I know... You're on Spotify,
1: Apple? I'm on all of them. All of them? Spotify, YouTube, Spotify, every one of them. So you can see my show on those as well.
0: Okay. And also they check the live video on YouTube, right?
1: Correct.